Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, Bethel. Can we greet our streaming family today in Jesus' name? Welcome all of you, Warners. We love you. Whoever you are, we, we welcome you in Jesus' name. And I hope that your heart is open today to hear from the Lord because we're going to be all over the place today. Now, if you want one title today, I would say Secrets on the Threshold. We're in our series on the threshold, and we're in our series on uh, preliminary things we need to know as we're moving forward into what I believe to be the greatest move of the Holy Spirit in human history. Did you know the Lord is preparing his people? He's giving you spiritual chiropractic adjustments. He's he's tuning in your vision. You know, when you sit in the vision chair and they say A or B, C or D, until finally they go, there, is that better? And you can see everything clearly. Well, today I want to talk about about 500 different things. But did you know, beloved, that when you know what's going to happen, it's not as frightening. When someone explains something, I remember the first time I got on the airplane and the beautiful stewardess explained turbulence to me. I thought we were going to die. I thought this had never happened in the history of flight when the plane went like that. And she went, no, no, honey, there are pockets of, you know, she explained turbulence and it didn't make me feel any better, but at least I knew I probably wasn't going to die. Well, let me explain some turbulence that's just about to happen. All right. We could, we could call this a cacophony on the threshold. Let me read a few verses the Lord put on my heart. It's Jeremiah chapter one. Listen to this. God speaks to Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 110. He says, see today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Wow. Did you know we're, we're entering in a season, into a season where God is going to uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow, and build, and plant? And everybody said, amen. Well, Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk is a prophet. He's, he's watching a horrible season where the people of God are just sinning and they're, they're, they're not honoring the Lord. And, and Habakkuk's the only guy, he's alone in chapter 1, a lovely little prophecy. Habakkuk says to God, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? And I cry out, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing, destruction, violence are before me? There is strife and conflict that abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails, and the wicked hem the righteous sins, so the justice is perverted. You ever ask God why? You look around, you go, hey, hello, and listen, God answers Habakkuk. But listen to the beautiful word God gives Habakkuk. Verse 5, he, <laughs> God goes, this is his answer to Habakkuk's question, why are you allowing 
all this crazy. And God says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Well, that sounds positive. Hold on. He goes, I'm raising up the Babylonians, the ruthless, impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth and seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law unto themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind. They mock kings. They scoff at rulers. They laugh at fortifications cities. Uh, they build earthen ramps. They capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind goes on to a guilty people. God says, guess what? I got a beautiful word for you. I'm sending the Babylonians to bring utter, what looks like utter ruin, utter catastrophe, and I'm going to tear up and I'm going to do what appears to be a pruning that devastates the garden. Hallelujah. <laughs> Have you ever asked the Lord? I'm not going to ask anymore. <laughs> this should quench your desire to ask God 24 hours a day what, what he's up to. You say, Craig, what, wait a minute. Is there any good news? Oh, there's plenty of good news. Did you know that wherever Jesus went, his presence surfaced secrets? Everywhere he went, his presence surfaced secrets. But everywhere Jesus surfaced a secret, he stewarded that secret with dignity and with love and with grace. And I might ask you today, how are you? Does your presence surface secrets? And when you do surface the secrets in others, are you able to steward them in a redemptive, wholesome, blessed, and healing way? You say, Craig, how does that tie into I'm going to destroy the world? Hold on. When you prune a garden, it sometimes looks like mayhem. It sometimes looks like, you know, you have an ax. But you have a plan if you're pruning. When you prune, you're removing the roots that shouldn't be. So you're removing all the weeds that are soaking up the water. You're removing everything that shouldn't be there in the garden so that all the water and all the nutrients and every blessing goes to the healthy roots that need life. I've often said if you only have eight ounces of water, don't water the brown spot in the lawn. Water the roses. Amen. So the roses are good. <laughs> the weeds are bad. So God is pruning up everything in the garden that doesn't need to be there in order that all life is going to be enjoyed by the healthy roots. Now, let me read you a few verses. Just sit and absorb. Okay. Exodus 23, 27, I will send my fear before thee, and I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before thee. The Hittite, actually. Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20, thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shall well remember what the Lord did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. So shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Moreover, the Lord thy God will send the hornet among them until they that are left and hide themselves from thee are surfaced. We are moving into a season of time 
that to the saint, if viewed appropriately, is going to be a time of planting, refreshment, blessing, and nurturing. But to those who resist the Lord, it's going to look like uprooting, displacement, chaos, and it's going to look like a very badly pruned lawn, in the opinion of the weeds. Now, Abraham Lincoln used to say, if you steal a sheep from the mouth of the wolf, the sheep thanks you as a savior, and the wolf accuses you of being an egregious oppressor of rights. Ask the sheep their opinion when you pull them out of the mouth of the wolf. Don't listen to the wolf's interpretation of events. You're oppressing my rights. The rabbit's happy. (laughs) The sheep is happy. (laughs) Thank you. When you kill a monster, the deer goes, thank you. So if you're the roses and if your lovely roots are being so blessed and nurtured, then we're going to get one opinion from the roses and another opinion from the weeds. All right? Let me keep reading. Joshua 24, 11 through 12. You went over Jordan, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites. God, before Caleb and Joshua and all the people crossed over the threshold into the promised land, said, it's not going to be your swords. I'm going to send hornets. And what did the hornets do? Like all creatures that are obedient to God, They found the enemies that were hidden and no one could see them because they were underground and God surfaced all the hidden bombs, all the hidden enemies. Did you know we're living in a time where God is surfacing secrets and when he does it, it is only to heal and redeem. But anything that's wickedly hiding itself, anything that would harm you or destroy you, he's sending hornets to also surface those things. There's going to be a lot of surfacing, a lot of things breaching to the surface in the next little while, (laughs) right? And you got to be able to interpret the season. For God's people, this is all good news. Hallelujah. Now, did you see Jesus? Remember I said he always surfaced secrets. And he stewarded the secrets redemptively. And he only surfaced secrets to heal. Do you remember the woman at the well in John chapter 4? Do you remember? He comes to a Samaritan woman. Now, a Jew is never to go to Samaria ever under any circumstance or to walk around it. Jesus goes right to Samaria. He sends his disciples away to buy lunch, and he knows there's no lunch anywhere because they were such idiots. They would have screwed up the divine appointment. So please don't be the man, woman, or boy, or girl that he has to send away so that he can do holy things because God is doing that now. Remember he had to put all the mourners out of Jairus' house that were unbelievers, and he only took in those that he could trust to raise the little girl, Jairus' daughter, from the dead. He had to put everyone out in order to do something holy. Please don't be the person that has to be put out of the Holy of Holies because you're throwing up all over the ark. They put me out of the Holy of Holies. God, I can't believe these people. Yeah. Loved one. (laughs) What you were allowed to do in the outer court, you'd be killed for in the Holy of Holies. We're living in a time, it's a parsimonious time. God's narrowing the lanes. Do you feel it? He's pruning in his garden. He's bringing what looks like everlasting destruction upon weeds, but he is doing that all to the 
blessing of the roots of his precious children. He comes to the woman at the well, our Lord Jesus, and what does he do? He shows up in Jesus' gracious presence. If you want to know what the Father's like, look at the Son. Jesus said, if you've seen me, if you've seen my tone, my body language, how I surface secrets and how I steward them and how I am always redemptive when I surface secrets, then you've seen how the Holy Trinity is the thrice holy God. And what does he do? He sits down where she is. He comes at noon because none of the other women will have, hang out with a loose woman, so she has to go all by herself in the heat of the day. And Jesus just starts asking her questions. He goes, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and she starts the dialogue, right? He goes, gee, uh, you know, I'm really thirsty. Could you give me something to drink? And she sees he's a Jew. Now, Jews never talk to women alone. They never talk to Samaritans. These are all taboos. They're not a violation of Scripture, but they were the religious taboos of the day. A Jew is never to be alone with a woman, never to be in Samaria, never to talk to a Samaritan, and never share a drinking vessel ever with a Samaritan, or you will be ceremonially unclean. But Jesus, with his presence, surfaces her secrets because he wants to bring life to her. So he says, you know, I'm a little thirsty. Could you give me to drink? And she goes, you know, sir, I see you're a Jew, and Samaritans and Jews never have anything to do with each other. This was a racist culture, by the way, beyond anything you could imagine. The culture we're in is nothing compared to what the Lord Jesus was in. Jew and, Je Jew and Samaritan was beyond any black and white, beyond anything that you're led to believe is real in this culture. This was a racist culture, really. If a Jew, if a shadow of a Samaritan hit a Jew who was ceremonially unclean, you go to the temple and go through a ritual. Okay? So if you think Jesus didn't understand a racist culture, he ran to the roar. He confronted that nonsense straight on. And he sent his disciples away for lunch because they were too crazy to understand what he was doing. What's he doing, though? He's surfacing secrets. So he says, can I have a drink? She, Samaritan woman says, um, Jews don't talk to people like me, and men don't talk to women. And Jesus goes, well, I do. He goes, you know, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me, and I'd give you a drink of living water, and you'd never have to drink again. And she goes, hmm. How would I get this water? He, he goes, well, go get your husband, bring him here, and then we'll go from there. She goes, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right, the five you've been married to. The guy you're with right now isn't your husband. You've been married five times, and the guy you're living with now isn't your husband. That You're correct in saying that. Secrets surfaced. Now, what's she going to say now? Hmm. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. He goes, you might say that. So she starts a theological conversation, gets off the immora, immorality thing. Who I sleep with is my business. By the way, your body isn't your body, male or female watching me right now. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God owns your body. You share in it, and you answer for everything you do to it, in it, and through it. It's my body. It's not your body. First argument that's false. So there goes the rest of it. Whatever you were going to say is canceled out right now. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God is the author of your life. You share in it, and you will answer for everything you do in and out. Okay. Yeah. So, Jesus says, um, 
gosh, you're right, you're not married. You've been married five times, and the guy you're living with now, you're having sex with now is not your husband. So, yeah, gee, yeah. So she's going, oh, a <laughs> little bit too much light with the truth, Jesus, the secret Jesus just surfaced. <laughs> so she starts a theological discussion. There's the temple right over the corner that the Samaritans had built. And she goes, I see you're a religious man. Uh, you know, the Samaritans say we're to worship in this temple right here. Uh, and you Jews say we worship at the one in Jerusalem. Which one shall we? She's trying to throw him off the secret that he just surfaced about her moral life. Now, is he mean? No. Is he yelling through a bullhorn? No. Is he demand? You know, there is no place Jesus stands as Lord, that he doesn't say, but that he doesn't say, this is mine. Wherever he stands, this is mine, he says. So he's telling her, I am the Lord. This is mine. You are mine. And she's trying to throw him off with a theological discussion. Where did Cain get his wife? I was, I've always wondered about that. <laughs> Oopsie doodle, I think you're trying to deflect a little bit. And Jesus goes, you know, um, salvation is of the Jews, sweetheart. He just tells the truth right there. He just, he won't agree. He won't be inclusive. He says, by the way, you, you're a Samaritan. You don't know what you're talking about. Salvation is of the Jews. But you know what? We're not going to worship at this temple or the one in Jerusalem. There's coming a day when the Father, who is spirit, seeks such to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, he's pressing her. She's trying to skirt away from the secret he just surfaced about her. But guess what? He's welcoming her to eternal life. He's, he's drawing her in. He's, he's answering her questions and deflecting all of her deflections. Jesus is a ninja Jesus. What the, wah, wah, wah. Anything you throw, he can catch. All your ninja. It's like, oh. Jesus is like, Jesus is like Jason's story though. He's like the Expendables, you know, in the, in the movie show. Yeah. Forget the Bible. I have to preach movies. Have you ever seen Mickey work with that knife in Expendables? He's just like, Shoom! you know, it's like, mm -hmm. well, he's even better than that. And when he comes, he surfaces secrets. Did, why is it that every time Jesus went in the synagogue, remember at Capernaum, his presence was so gracious and the glory was so thick that he surfaced every demon in the room and they started talking? We know who thou art, the Holy One of God, as thou come to torment us before the time. Why did that, that thing's talking all the time. We just don't hear that. But when Jesus comes, he, he surfaces secrets. He surfaces, you start hearing demons talk out loud. And, you know, it's like a dog whistle. Dogs hear it, you don't. You know, ever seen one of those? What's this? And ever, I killed like every dog in Des Moines, you know. What's this? My brother said, stop it, stop it. I'm like, stop what? I don't hear anything. He goes, yes, but all the dogs are dead. Yeah. Oh. Demons are talking all the time, but when Jesus' presence comes in the room, it's so thick, it's so amazing, it uncovers, and you start hearing what's there all the time. You start seeing what's there all the time. He surfaces what's secret. He surfaces everything, good, bad, and indifferent. Now, when the Lord surfaces a secret like he does, guess what? This woman's heart is touched. She, she says she's going to end the conversation and go home to her boyfriend. She goes, well, you know, we know one day there's a Messiah that's going to come, and he'll answer all these Bible questions and, you know, whatever. And Jesus said, I that speak unto thee am he.
Now she runs and leaves her pot and goes into town and brings all of her evangelistic disciples. Every man that's ever slept with her comes out, whole crowd, whole city. She goes, come and see a man that's told me everything I've ever done. Now, that's a little exaggerated, but you know God can touch you so deep by surfacing your secrets in a redemptive way that you just think he's healed everything. He's healed everything. Now, do we, in our very presence in a room in safety, surface secrets, do we steward them with elegance and grace? Do we bring them up only to redeem what's behind them? Or to us are we hammers that every problem is a nail? And we're wearing our porcupine suits. Yeah, well, whatever. Preach the gospel. None of this hushy-cushy warm stuff. Anyway, get the bullhorn. God so loved the world. You can scream John 3.16 and, and, and alienate everyone in the universe. Tone and body language are everything. Only 7% of what you say is validly received information. All the rest is tone and body language. How you say it. My parents said, could you go get Craig for dinner? And my brother Randy came out and said, you better get in here right now. Mom and dad want to see you. That isn't what they said. My mother said, would you go get Craig for dinner? That's what she said. How that came out of my brother was a whole different message. I, in fact, I stayed in the garage hiding because I thought I'd done something wrong. Craig, Craig, dinner time. You know, why'd you hide in the garage for an hour? Because, because the tone and the body language of your messenger didn't line up with your message. <laughs> so precious child of God, I hope your tone and body language is equal to our blessed master because he always surfaced secrets, stewarded them, and brought cleansing. See, God is only surfacing secrets to heal and cleanse and deliver. But there are times when he will also surface secrets when people's hearts are hardened, when they will not repent, and when they are committed to harm you. And in that case, the Lord sends hornets, lovely little creatures. And what did they do? They went underground to where the enemies of Israel were hiding, and they stung them up to the surface so they could be annihilated. Wouldn't you like to see something on your property that's destined to destroy you and destroy it? If you're gardening your garden and there's some kind of weird animals and they're eating all your stuff, don't you want to sort of surface those things and deal with them? Well, it's not, we're in California. Don't, don't upset the PETA offering. We don't want to quench you. <laughs> Beloved, God is in the business of surfacing secrets in order to bring redemption, but if you will not be redeemed, then he will surface what is hiding, something that is devoted to hurting you harming you. And he said, I will send my hornets and they will be surfaced. Boy, we're living in a time now where God's revealing secrets, but that's good news to God's people. You know, I was talking to our beloved Daniel Chu last week. 
And Daniel was telling me, he says, you know, Craig, HIV hides in the body. It hides. Shingles hide in the body. Herpes hides. Did you know there are certain things that we got to flush them out, and the goal is to surface them so we can annihilate them? And how wicked that a disease would hide in your system so that you can't detect it, you can't zero in on it, but God is able. He's got hornets. Well, were they literal hornets or actual hornets? It doesn't really matter, does it? He knows how to find what's hiding so that it can be surfaced, so that it can be dealt with. If it's HIV, don't you want it corralled, focused, and destroyed? Now, I'm old enough. I just got my first shingle shot. I took it the evening before my cruise. Dumb idea. (laughs) They explained shingle. You don't want shingles. Oh, my God. I still don't know what it is, but I took my first shot, but I took it the night before I went on my cruise. I was fine until 2 in the morning. I'm waking up. (laughs) I'm in a nightmare, you know. I don't know where I am. I'm in space. <laughs> it was just terrible. And I feel like I have to throw up and I can't pee. And I, it was just a nasty thing. But they said, this is good for you. Not everything that's good for you feels good to you. There's a sermon right there, which I'll also throw in today so we can thoroughly mix this thing up. We're going to give Mike 15 titles, and he has to just pick one. I get my second shingle shot, I think, in four months. I got that in April, so I think you wait six months to get the second one. You know what? Two months? Hey, if it's, if it's in, I want it out. If it's on, I want it off. If there's something hidden, David said, Lord, if there's anything hidden in me that is harming me, please isolate it. Please surface it. Please remove it. Can everybody say amen? He's not. He may hurt you, but he won't harm you. I mean, how many things didn't you see about yourself? I always say to people, are you looking through your glasses or at your glasses? You're looking through your glasses. We're looking at your glasses so we can see you in a way you can't see yourself. You're looking through your life. We're looking at your life so we can see your life in a way you cannot see yourself. That's why I need you and you need me and we are a body as the body of Christ. I can't see the back of my neck, but you can see the back of my neck. So you need me and I need you. God has made this an interdependent body. We are interdependently connected Because there are things you don't see about you that can kill you. That I could say, excuse me, you know, you have some lettuce in your teeth. What's your business telling me about my teeth? Um, You got something nasty right here. And and I was just thinking, since you're going out on a very important date in your opinion, that maybe you may want to floss that dog. Yeah, why don't you take your opinion and why don't you just throw it in hell where you belong? It's okay. Okay, have you ever done that? Has anybody ever just thrown your counsel off? And there's a piece of toilet paper hanging out there on, on their shoe, and they got a, I did that. I had an, an entire dinner with this lady. And this is not some date or anything. This was just, I was with her the whole time. Went in the bathroom after an hour of discussion, and I had the nastiest set of God knows what in my teeth. It looked like the Val Kilmer teeth in The Saint. I don't know if you remember that. No, that's a, it's for a rare remnant, you know. And, and I went in, I went into the bathroom, and I washed my hands, and I looked in the mirror, and I went, ah! 
<laughs> it was like, oh my God, I'm grabbing matchbox, I'm gra- anything to get the to clear. And it was obvious, obviously, whoever this person was, was so nice, they didn't say anything. But they, uh, all of the mongrels that were in my mouth were gone when I came back out. So let's continue this conversation about the Lord. We couldn't, she couldn't hear about God because my teeth were the problem of evil. If God's so loving, how come he would allow his servant to have so much garbage in his teeth? You see, now that's the argument you need to learn an answer to. <coughs> Is God surfacing any secrets in us? Yes. I can't tell you how many things in the last six months that I've seen and I've learned and I've, for the first time, it's made sense. And it was Jesus in his glorious presence surfacing secrets so that I could see them, so that I could say, oh my God, I can't believe that. You know, aren't you quick to repent of something that you really see? But when someone argues with you that you're not seeing something yet, they just want to fight. Oh Yeah. Yeah, well, you're a sinner too. It's, that's called the two-quo-cue fallacy. You do it too. Craig, you have something in your teeth. Yeah, well, we all technically have stuff in our teeth all the time. There are microbes and things that if we... Uh, okay, I'm sure I have things in my teeth too. That's called the two-quo-cue fallacy. You do it too. But right now, you have nastier stuff that's more visible in your teeth. Oh, yeah? Well, let's get the electron microscope and look in your mouth. You know... You see, when you want to fight, you learn nothing. The Bible says a fool does not take counsel. A fool argues about everything. Oh, yeah? (laughs) So I'm one of the mole people? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah? Well, you're a mole people. (laughs) It's like, oh, my God. Beloved, I don't know about you. Remember Jesus said if you go into a town and you go into a home and you give the message of the gospel and they reject you, immediately get up, leave, shake the dust off your feet, and go to the next house. We stay five years. Well, I'll approach them another way. I'll yell, argument weak here, yell louder. I'll read all the Josh McDowell apologetic books, and then I'll, I'll come back a 15th time. Jesus said, leave. Trust your eyes. When they reject you as a friend, as a boyfriend, girlfriend, as a congregant, as a, when they reject you and show that they are not interested, you can't shake hands with a clenched fist. If they show you they have a clenched fist, leave right then and shake the dust off your feet. That little sermon will save you 35 years of trouble. <laughs> Amen. And that's where everybody watching said, where's that little giving button? Where, where, where is that here? Where do, we, where do we push that? Beloved, we're in a time, listen to this verse. Listen to Ezra 3, 10 through 12. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord for the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endures forever. Verse 12. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice, and many young ones shouted aloud for joy. Wait a minute. What? Yeah, there's a cacophony. There's a season where there's people shouting for joy and screaming 
at the same time, at the same level in grief. This is a very confusing image. The old ancient men who 50 years before had seen the Temple of Solomon, by the way, you heard me describe that in our teaching called Gallimaufry, there are pictures. It was a $1 trillion edifice. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. The old men saw that. And so they live 50 years later at the rebuilding of what we call the second temple, and it is lackluster as far as they're concerned. So the old men are, they, the day they're laying the foundation, this is, this is a good time. <laughs> this is the foundation of the temple Christ. The God-man will eventually walk in. But the old men are weeping over what was lost, while the young men that have never seen, you know, they were all 20 years old, they never saw Solomon's temple. They're thanking God that there is a temple at all and a foundation that has been laid. So... Isn't it strange when you live in a time where there's equal grief tears being cried and equal tears of joy being cried? Beloved, you're living in a time where God's changing the nature of your tears. Tears of grief have a certain physiology all their own. Tears of joy have a completely different chemical connection to reality. Someone from a distance may see you crying, but they're tears of joy now. They're tears of promise. They're tears of fulfillment. But there are still folk that are crying in their soup over disobeying the Lord at every turn in their life, and those tears are chemically different, shall we say. <laughs> God knows the nature of your tears, beloved. But I want you to see, isn't it a strange time? Jeremiah is tearing down, destroying, and removing, but he's building and planning. That's the season we're in right now. Jesus was surfacing secrets to steward them with redemption and to bring utter healing if your heart was open. But if your heart isn't open and you're wanting to destroy the work of God, he's sending hornets to surface everything that's hidden. So you're going to see everything, whether you like it or not, above ground. It's all coming out. Remember that imagery of when you drain the swamp, what do you find? Swamp creatures. You know, like huge hippos and demonic beasts trying to walk around. That's a great image, but you don't see that when the water's up. You don't. God has to drain the water away to sometimes show you what has been there all the time. Is God draining the swamp in any area of your life? Oh, he is. The Holy Spirit is doing it, and he really has a, does it with a, with, a, with a great deal of finesse. You wake up one day, and it seems everything's fine. You wake up the next day, and you go, you know, I never saw how rude I am in public. My daughter always says, Dad, say goodbye when you hang up the phone. Say goodbye, then hang up. You just hang up. You're in the middle of a conversation. You hang the phone up. I go, no, I don't. She goes, Dad, when a phone conversation is over, and they say goodbye, you say goodbye, and then there's a mutual goodbye, and then you hang the phone up. And I'm like, well, I don't know what her problem is. And I realized I don't say goodbye at the end of phone calls. When I assume the call is over, I hang the phone up. All right? Now, I don't mean anything evil by it, but I do get people extremely upset by cutting them off. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see a little bit of truth here. Okay. I want to show in principle that I'm somewhat teachable, even though she's wrong. <laughs> I'll pray about it. You know what I mean? These kids nowadays. Ask a 20-something everything while they still know everything. You know what? She's right. Maybe you're seeing something a little bit deeper than that in your life. 
Now, don't go looking for stuff that isn't there. Go, don't go looking for demons in the grapefruit, okay? But this is a season to realize the Lord is surfacing secrets. Now, in your case, I'm sure he's surfacing things to heal you, restore you, and deliver you. Hallelujah. But the wicked, they're being exposed, their nakedness is being removed, shown by hornets. Now, notice Caleb and Joshua are on the promised land border. They're going to go in, and they run into two enemies, Sihon and Og. Remember that wonderful teaching we did called Sihon and Og? Go back and listen to it. Those were the two guardians of the promised land. And the Bible says that God, they lived in entrenched cities where God had to send his hornets in to surface them and bring them out. Because you had, one of the guys lived in cities you had to jump 70 feet down to even get into where he lived. It was really difficult because enemies hide in dens and caves and it's really hard to go in one room at a time and dig them out. We had some horrible war experiences in the history of our country where we had to go door to door House to house, hole to hole, to dig out enemies. Well, guess what? God's got hornets that do it for you. You don't need to waste your time and risk your life. And he's sending those hornets before to deal with our enemies and to expose their location. You know, when you are walking in a bomb area, and in Israel there are fences and you need to respect them when you are there. Because after a rain, you could look over the chain link fence, and you would see all of the bombs. They're the size of a cigarette pack, and they're in between territorial areas, and the rain would wash them and expose them. And you know what? Those will kill you. They're alive. But when you don't see them, that's when you die, usually. But after a good rain, everything is made visible. Isn't God wonderful? He's bringing everything to light. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5. Hear this as a life word right now. It says, make no ultimate judgment before the time when the Lord shows you the hidden things and secondly reveals the motives of men and women's hearts. Did you know right now, if you're a ship and you're trying to come out of the harbor and you're going into open water, you can't see the coral reefs that are underneath the surface that could gut your boat. You, you can't see that iceberg that might crash your Titanic. But Paul put it this way, and I just speak this word from my heart right now. Before you make important judgments and life decisions right now, the next little while, wait for the Lord. Because he's first going to show you things under the waterline you don't see. Do you realize there are maybe some limits to your vision? I'm just saying, you know. Just a tiny concession. Amen, Pastor. Okay. Say it with pride. Uh, maybe. I don't know. There are some things under the water surface that you don't see. Coral reefs, you don't see at all. And only God can say, oh, by the way, before you take another step, I'd like to show you some things you don't see. And he lowers the water, and there is, oh, my God. It's a, there's the bomb that was going to explode. There's a coral reef that was going to kill me and my family. Paul puts it this way. There's a lot of stuff that you don't see with your eyes right now. And secondly, there's a lot of things you do see, but you don't, you're misreading the motives. There are a lot of people in your life that are very visible. But they're not rooted in your life, and they're not called of God to be rooted near your life. And if you knew their motive for one second for being there, you would cut them off just like a pruner wipes out. You know, my gardener came to the house the other day, and, and, and he, looked, he looked at my, 
my stuff and he and he reached over and he pulled a weird looking thing out of the ground just like that and had a huge root and it was just some weed that looks a lot like the the good stuff and he reached right over and he picked it up now i didn't notice it but it had a nasty old root on it and he just threw it on the cement and i thought well that looked rude (laughs) it wasn't rude And when God does it, it's not rude. And when he sends a hornet to go, hold on, I'm going to show you some things under the surface. And he drops a grenade. That's my view of fishing. You've seen that in the movies. They drop a grenade in the water. Boom. And all the fish come up. That's how I fish. We love our pastor. We have to. We're commanded to. There's stuff under the water that you don't know, and God says, don't make a major step in the next little while until you consult me so that I can show you whatever coral reef you can't see. And secondly, there are people, places, and things that are very visible in your sphere right now. Yeah, yeah, she's there and he's there. Yeah, but you don't know their motive. Some people, ever had anyone in your life that you misread their motive? Their motive was to destroy you, you know, something little like that to wipe you off of God's world. (laughs) And you go, well, I've got that friend and that friend and this one that has a weird look about them, but (laughs) they always say that, don't they? I live right next door to the guy. Uh, He seemed normal to me. God sees what we don't see, and he will surface that. That's what he's doing right now. So just be open. Say, Lord, I want to see anything you want to surface. And secondly, there may be people in my life I've misread their motives. Counterfeits look like the original, or we wouldn't be fooled. Ever had somebody in your life that you thought was a genuine $20 bill, (laughs) and you found out later they were a counterfeit? They didn't do a lot of damage. Counterfeits can do a lot of damage. You can invest years of your life watering a ranch garden that will never grow by nature. cannot. So the Lord is going to show you what you can't see, and he's going to show you the people you can see, what their motives are. So isn't that something? 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Paul said, gee, now he's talking about the ultimate coming of Christ, but I'm giving a limited application just for spiritual wisdom today. Trust the Lord to show you what you can't see, and trust the Lord to show you the motives of what you can see that you've been misreading. Don't be afraid, don't be frightened, but just know that we're living in a season where you need to be able to discern between what's being torn down, ripped out, planted, and rooted, right? Don't don't try to stop Jesus from rooting things out and tearing things down that need to be rooted out and torn down. Jesus, I'm going to slap your nail scar and stop that. You're you're hurting me. I'm hurting you, but I'm not harming you. Please let me remove that person, place, or thing from your life. Has the Lord ever had to do it? And later you went, thank you, God. Thank you, God. See, he had to send the hornet because you wouldn't let go, right? Sweet, blessed little you. You went off and married it. You went off and would have been surgically attached to it. You know, I like that Siamese twin principle. Could you just sew us together so we can never leave one another? It's like, ah, We're having ourselves congealed to something that God says, you know, this is really going to hurt because once that all heals up, I'm going to rip it apart myself. So, you know, before you curse God and die, realize, give up what he's saying, let go of. It's just wise. I'm just saying, I'm throwing that out there. Well, he's been all over the place. Hold on, I'm, I'm 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 not finished. Cakes are done. People are finished. 
please uh, listen to Matthew 10:26. So do not be afraid of them for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Isn't that good news? Jesus says everything you need to see you're going to see. You love me, you belong to me. Uh, nothing can remain hidden that would be lurking there to harm you. But just in case it really won't let go, I'm sending a hornet to surface it. A loving God wouldn't send hornets. Oh, yeah. Every day, all day. He's had to use hornets on me my whole life. That's not because he doesn't love me. It's just that I'm clueless, you know. <laughs> Lord, deal with an alleged servant who spoke out. Job, here's, here's for Gretchen. Job 12, 22, he reveals the deep things of darkness into the light. <laughs> Let me give you my favorite translation of this. Do not judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes who both will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. Then praise will come to each one from God. Isn't that delicious? Come, Lord, have your way, God. Do you remember in the book of Genesis, and I'll close with this, do you remember Joseph is in prison? Do you remember there's a conspiracy against Pharaoh and all of a sudden his cupbearer and his baker are thrown in the prison with him? These are two very important people because the baker involves, he's the guy that cooks all the food that Pharaoh eats, and the cupbearer is the butler who serves him and tests his wine and hands him the food that he puts in his mouth. He's the taster. So there was some kind of assault on Pharaoh's life, and Pharaoh didn't know who to judge. So he does the causal fallacy, kill them all, let God sort them out. What unwise rulers do. <laughs> Right? Did, did, did you get all the uh, terrorists? Yep. But we also shot everyone else. <laughs> all right. Don't, please don't be that person. Good news and bad news. The terrorists are all dead. What's the bad news? Never mind. I don't want to get into it. All right. So Pharaoh doesn't know who's poisoned him, so he throws the two guys into prison with Joseph. And Joseph was called Zaphnath Paanea, the revealer of secrets. Remember Joseph's gift? You would tell him a secret. You would tell him a dream that had a secret dimension, and he was able to surface the secret and redemptively interpret it. And look at the two kinds of secrets represented by the cupbearer and the baker. The cupbearer was a secret that was surfaced to bless and heal and promote. He said, what's your dream? And the cupbearer says, well, I dreamt I was squeezing, you know, grapes into a cup. He goes in, yeah, well, the interpretation is three days, you're going to be raised up, you're going to be put back in Pharaoh's presence, and you're going to give him his cup again. And the baker goes, I had a dream too. <laughs> there was bread in my hat, and the birds of the field were eating it. And he said, well, you're going to be hung in three days. That's the interpretation of your word. <laughs> Joe, huh? So he surfaces the secret of the baker, and that guy's going to die, and he surfaces the secret of the cupbearer, and he's going to be restored to favor. I mean, you know, there's two kinds of secrets that are being surfaced. Amen? I want to be the cup. I know I'm the cupbearer. I feel it down here. Good for you. But the baker 
you know, there's a book called the Book of Jasher. Josephus said that there were, there were like rocks in the bread and there were like flies in the, in the wine. We don't know. The Bible doesn't really say what it was. But God knew in that situation who was who and who did what and nobody else did. So aren't you glad God is the one who surfaces secrets to heal, redeem, and restore or to judge? And so praise God for Joseph. Now, let me mention a, another kind of secret that I know I have an audience right now. I've sort of lulled you into this moment of the sermon so that I can confront some of you. Let me talk about a third kind of secrets, all right? Now you're in Craig's zone. These are the dumbass times in your life that you told secrets to the wrong people. I don't know what he's talking. He quit to preach and go on to Midland. Hold on, hold on. Do you remember Samson laying in Delilah's lap? Such a pretty lap. <laughs> there was just something about her lap, man. And she's there playing with his hair. What's the secret of your power, baby? And all the Philistines are waiting outside. And he just keeps lying to her. I don't know, if you clean my fingernails, I'll lose my power, and the Philistines come in. Yeah, like, duh. Have you ever been warned so many times? <laughs> so he lies to her about the secret of his power, but eventually he tells her the secret of his life. Don't tell secrets to the wrong people at the wrong time. He tells her, okay, okay. The Bible says she harped on him and complained so often that he went, okay, shut up. The secret is my hair. If you shave my hair off, I lose my power. And she goes just like this, Philistines, make up. And they come in and they shave his head and they put his eyes out. Oh, my God. And, and, and he's, and he's, serving the rest of his life in prison, you know, grinding things in a circle. He loses everything because he told his secrets to the wrong people at the wrong time. Now, here's the good part. God can even redeem that. His hair began to grow slowly over time. And God, you think it's over? Now, do you, can you think of anybody else that couldn't keep their mouths shut and told secrets to the wrong people? What about Joseph? I had a dream, and you were all bowing down before me. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> Joseph, shh. Don't tell everything you know to everyone you know whenever they show up. Don't. The devil cannot read your mind, but he doesn't need to. He just listens to everything that comes in your head comes out your mouth. He just takes notes, shorthand. What do you really think about Casey? Casey? Casey's a complete idiot that didn't He just turns them. <laughs> you just, can you tell everything? You know, you say, oh my God. Yeah, well, maybe when you have conversations, bind the devil or something. Say, Lord, please scramble this phone call. Don't allow him to interpret. I need to talk about to some leaders about some important matters. And then he can sort of do Charlie Brown's teacher in the spirit. <laughs> Try that. They do that in Nigeria. I mean, they bind the devil from... Hearing conversations, they bind the devil from being able to communicate with one another in a meeting. And I thought, I never did that before. In fact, I forgot to do that. But you have to from now on. Oh, 
there's my favorite diarrhea of the mouth guy in the Bible is King Hezekiah. You know what he does? He calls all the Babylonians in and he says, hey, I want you to come on in. I want to show you all the treasures of the temple. You all come in. Look, this is solid gold. Can you believe that? This is silver. And he, and he shows them all the treasures in the temple and gives them a guided tour. And because of this, the Babylonians now say, now we're going to conquer the people of God. Because diarrhea of the mouth guy just showed us everything he's got. And everybody went, oh, <laughs> except Hezekiah didn't realize you don't tell your secrets to the wrong people at the wrong time. Now, have we all done it? Yes. That's why I'm trying to make light of this. But, oh, my God, it can be a catastrophic season before the time you do it and the time God redeems it. Samuel, thank, Samson, thank God, on the day he was going to die, they brought him into the Philistine temple, and he asked the boy, where, where are the pillars, the foundational pillars? And the boy put his hands on him. And in his death, he killed more of the Philistines than he had in his life because God redeemed the guy who couldn't keep his mouth shut. So, but moving forward from now on, may the devil be scrambled in all of his dealings. May he not act on any secrets you told the wrong people. But just moving forward, maybe it's time to share your secrets with confidants, safe people who know how to steward them. Have you ever told the wrong person the wrong thing in the name of sincerity? I know you have. I lived decades of my life doing that. You know, my friend Mark Dane told me something that was priceless once. He said, Craig, process with Jesus and promote yourself with others. Don't process with others. Because I'd go into people I'd never met at all, and they'd go, how you doing? I'd say, oh, I'm fine. I'm in the middle of a divorce and court is hell. And, and they're like going, whoa, too much information. <laughs> Craig Johnson Ministries became TMI Ministries. It's like Craig. But it's true, yeah, it's true, but maybe you don't need to lead with that in a ministry conversation where you're meeting people for the first time. <laughs> oh, can I back up 30 years? No, sorry. <laughs> but starting today, I've learned to process with Jesus and promote myself in a positive way, which means be appropriate in what you reveal. One of my dearest friends in life corrected me once, too. This is about 1982. He would come in the room. He's a worship leader. I adore him. I love him. I'm crazy about him. But my, my, my primary love language is hugs, right? So this, this musician would come in the room, and I'd go, Marty! And I'd run across a party room and just grab onto him and hug him. And he would just, like Fred Flintstone, he'd just want to, like, shrink and, and go into non-existence. And one time he was so pained by this. And I said, Marty, are you okay? And he went... Yeah, Craig, all I can say is it's too much. And nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's just too much. And I went, okay, so it isn't binary, all or off. There's a dimmer switch Craig needs. He can give 1,000 watts to this person, 25 watts to that person. So it took about 30 years for me to install a dimmer switch. <laughs> you go, we've seen no evidence of that, Pastor. Okay, well, it's there, okay? And you don't have a dimmer switch either. <laughs> He's surfacing my secrets to redeem them. I see a hornet in your future. Just kidding. 
aren't you glad either way that he is surfacing to heal and he's surfacing to show you what's going on? He's uprooting, he's tearing down, but he's planting and he's building. And you know, I, I need one verse I skipped that I want to read because it's going to lead us into next week. It's in Amos 2, verse 9. Oh, here it is. Oh, here it is. Listen. He's, God is telling Caleb and Joshua. We're still with old Caleb and Joshua. God bless him. Keep Caleb at 85 in your mind. He's on the threshold. Okay. We haven't gone anywhere. We're right there with Caleb. Amos 2.9 says, Yet I destroyed the Amorites before them, Cain, Caleb, and Joshua. Though they were tall as cedars and strong as the oaks, I destroyed their fruit above and their roots below. Ooh. Ooh. Jesus is destroying fruits above the ground and beneath the ground that need to be removed from your garden. People, places, things. Isn't that good news? Because we're going to find out next week that he is planting our roots healthily underground and bringing us for the first time in our lives fruit above the ground. So before he plants our roots and we see the fruit above ground we've longed for all of our Christian lives, he is removing the fruit of the wicked above and below the ground. Isn't that delicious? That means he's not just cutting off the fruit above ground. He's dislodging the roots of the enemy with his hornets, with his shovels. This is good news for God's people. It is a pleasure to be alive in the season where Jesus said that we are deeply planted in Christ. We are the branch united with the vine, and that's the branch that bears the fruit. Amen? But we don't need anything in the garden that is sucking up our water. When is the last time you complained about God removing a person, place, or thing from your life, and all he was doing was allowing you to get 80% more water to your roots? Pause and breathe a little bit, beloved. If he's rooting anything up and tearing anything down, it is only to allow you to have more water, more spacious area for your roots to grow. And remember, HIV hides. We want it to surface so we can kill it. Shingles hides. Herpes hides. It like hides in the base of your spine and waits for anxiety to, to bring it up. Isn't the devil? Isn't that like the devil? He hides in order to lure and wait to destroy you in some area of your life. And God goes, no, 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 no. I'm sending my hornets to surface it. So, secrets on the threshold. He's revealing in order to steward, in order to heal, and he's also sending hornets to show the enemy's work. And if you have a big mouth and you've been telling the wrong things to the wrong people over the wrong season, first change, repent, repent, <laughs> I, heard, I read a quote we sent on Present Truth a few months back. It says, uh, Christians love to sow weeds everywhere and then pray for crop failure. <laughs> Some so-called Christians. But we live in a time where we are hearing old men weeping and young men rejoicing, and it's hard to read. We're seeing different tears, but tears of joy and tears of grief. We are the ones who are weeping the tears of joy. That's the nature of our tears are changing. Hallelujah. We are going to sob out of joy. You only know how to sob out of grief and loss. But I'm telling you, there's a delight 
I was on the phone with a friend the other day, and we were laughing so hard. It was such a, 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 a group of belly laughs that I was crying. And I came in the house, and like Arwen saw that there were tears on my cheeks and said, are you okay? And I said, oh, I am okay. These aren't tears of sobbing. These are tears of absolute belly laugh where I almost threw up in the garage. I was laughing so hard. That's the nature of the season. Amen. So if he wants to surface secrets, say amen, Lord. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Jesus said there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed. The good news for God's children is that we serve a Lord who is our husband. That means he is doing the pruning, and I and only trust Jesus with the pruning knife. Don't trust anyone else. He knows exactly how to bring glory to his name. He knows exactly what to cut out and what not to. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, put that on the fridge. Make no life decisions until the Lord shows you what you can't see visibly, and then he reveals the motives of all the people you can see in your life. Father, we thank you right now. We invite you to bring your searching gaze to each of our hearts, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you are safe to surface the secrets of our lifetime. We thank you, Jesus, that you will only steward them with grace and mercy, kindness and cleansing. But we do invite you, Lord, to come deep and come Holy Spirit and reveal everything we need to see, Lord. We don't even know what to ask you, but David said, Lord, search me and know me. And if there be any way in me that needs to be revealed, please show me by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, and we, do, we, do, we pray that for one another, Lord, even if we're frightened. You are never going to harm your people ever. We do not need to be frightened of yielding our hearts to you completely. You are going to come and do a marvelous work in us, Lord. Thank you for arranging your garden. Thank you for removing weeds. Thank you for planting new beautiful things. Thank you, Lord, for letting the water you pour out not be wasted on roots that don't appreciate it. Thank you, Lord, for coming to all of our lives. And we ask you to do a complete and perfect work up, down, top to bottom, Lord. Cleanse our root systems. Cleanse all the fruit above ground in our lives. And come, Lord, and reveal the secrets. You are Zaf Noth Pa'anea. You are the secret revealer, Lord Jesus Christ. And we give you blessings, Lord. And please, Lord, I pray for my precious brothers right now watching, that you would come, Lord, as Joseph, and you would reveal the secrets of their life, that you would explain the mysteries and the intricacies of my brother's life, Lord. Maybe there are roots he doesn't understand and events he's blocked out and uh, memories that he can't quite make sense of, Lord. You are like Joseph, Lord. You are going to come and bring a redemptive healing hand, and you are going to make sense of all the details of my brother's life right now, Lord. Come and interpret the dreams of his life. Come and interpret the nightmares of his life that he can't quite make sense of, God. Jesus, you are the Joseph who can fully read everything. And Lord, restore the cupbearer to his rightful place, Lord. Take him out of the prison and put him right back in Pharaoh's palace in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for my precious sister, Lord. Any, any dreams she hasn't been able to properly uh, interpret or uh, that she hasn't been able to make nightmares that have been plaguing her, Lord, please, please go to my precious sister, Lord and interpret the details of her life and give her the proper, proper interpretation of her dreams and banish her nightmares in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. David, come on up and lead us in the table of the Lord.
Because, beloved, for God's people, it's all good news. It's all good news. But isn't it nice to know what's going on so that you're not left in a lurch? You know, to be able to look at the culture and not misread what God's doing. I don't know about you, but I run into Christians that are misreading everything all the time. And it really is disturbing to me. Right? We want to be able to see what God is doing versus what the enemy is doing. And remember Jesus said, remember they said, should we pay taxes? And Jesus said, well, give me a coin. And he said, whose picture is on the coin? They said, Tiberius Caesar. He said, then it must, be his, uh, must belong to him. Why don't you give him what's his? And he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar. Render unto God the things that are God's. Let's attribute things where they really belong. Amen? Don't misread what God's doing and what the devil's doing. As Christians, we need to have a clear eye that will look at every life God puts in front of us and help them properly interpret the events of their life, the details and the root system and the fruit above ground. Amen. And did you know that Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, God has given us the ear of the learned to hear that we may speak a word in season to him that is weary. That's our role as Joseph's in the lives of men, women, boys, and girls. You be the sane voice, the clear voice, and the proper interpretive voice in their life. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Peace be upon you, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Well, hearing this message from Pastor Craig today, I realized why the Holy Spirit asked me to repeat the same message as, as last week. I believe the Lord wants to surface guilt out of your spirit today. To surface that and erase it. Guilt is a bondage. It's going to handcuff you and bind you so that you can't do this to receive. So... Before we go to the table of the Lord, while you've got your elements and are getting the elements, because this is directly related to what Jesus suffered and died for it to free us from. Let me just remind you, some of you may not have heard the great promise that I spoke from last week, which is Corinthians, actually it's 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8. When you first believed in Jesus, this promise says that Jesus established you to the end, to the end of your life, to the end of time, guiltless and irreproachable. I know you're thinking, how is that possible? But he did by redeeming you from all of your sin. The promise for this week that he wanted me to repeat, this is from Hebrews 10 verse 22 let us all draw near with true hearts and unqualified assurance and conviction of faith having our hearts purified from a guilty conscience some translations say an evil conscience you want god sees that guilt 
as an attack from the enemy. That's not from him. It's not from him. So the Lord has put this on my heart the last several weeks because a lot of my friends who are believers, they're, they're not able to receive the healing that they need because of guilt. They're not able to receive the freedom that Jesus died to receive them, to, for them to receive because of guilt. So I pray today that through his word and through us participating in his body and blood, you can be released. It took years for the Holy Spirit to release me from this bondage of guilt. And I pray that he starts in you today. And if he's already doing that work, I pray that he continues. Jesus suffered and allowed his body to be broken so that yours would be healed. Receive that in Jesus' name. Let's partake. Now let's take the cup. If you're experiencing guilt, you have not received the full gospel that all your sins have been redeemed and erased. So as we partake, let's celebrate that Jesus already accomplished this for us 2,000 years ago on the cross. As soon as you believed in him, all your sins were erased. And may this also erase the guilt that you may be battling with today. Let's partake. Thank you, Father, for your mighty word. Thank you, Lord, that you're surfacing all the things that could harm us, that can hold us back. All the works of the enemy, all the deception, all the, the, the craziness. Thank you, Lord, that your word is true. Thank you that you sacrificed your body and you shed your blood to free us. Thank you, Lord that we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. Free your people today, Lord, from the guilt. Let them receive the full benefit of your suffering and your death. And we praise and glorify you, Lord, for the mighty work that you're doing here at Bethel and all over the world. We praise and glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus the Messiah. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.